1: This is Sawcast number 12. My name is John Stryker Meyer, and I'm here today as your host for Sawcast number 12. And with this, this production is coming to you courtesy of Jocko Willink Productions and his right-hand man, Echo Charles. And of course, today we're also joined by our secret secret uh, technician here, Tom. Good morning, Tom. morning. And so with that, I'm going to turn to across the fence. was talks a little bit about our secret war. And this was in May 1968. A team had been extracted from an LZ, a landing zone. But it wasn't clear if the entire team was out or not. And so on that occasion, the King Bee, a South Vietnamese helicopter, was ordered to return to the LZ. And on it, we had one staff sergeant, Robert J. Parks, who was on that helicopter going into the LZ. And because no one had radio covey to indicate the team was clear from the target, Spider directed the chase ship to land on the LZ to ensure that ST Oregon was extracted successfully. It was also a last act of desperation. He had hoped against all odds to see Lane, Robert Duval Owen or one of the Vietnamese team members of ST Idaho. No one saw. Spider jumped aboard the H-34 as a mortar round exploded in the bomb crater and dozens of weapons fired upon the King Bee. As the chopper was lifting off, the door gunner sitting next to Spider Parks was killed. And this was one mission on one day, May of 68, and today it is my extreme pleasure to introduce Robert J. Spider Parks to SODCast number 12. Spider, welcome to the SOGCast. Thank you, Till. And um, on the, we started in the middle of one of those exceptional days where um, we didn't talk about ST Idaho. But at that time, we had recon teams. Previously, you had been on a member of Spike Team Idaho. You had run several missions with the, uh, that team. Glenn Lane was the 1-0. That's right. And at that point, <laughs> you had been promoted to your own team. You earned a new promotion. So you get transferred from Idaho. Lane goes out with a new team member, Robert Duval Owen. And that team goes missing in action May 22nd 1968 and they remain missing in action today They are amongst the 50 Green Berets from the secret war in Laos, Cambodia and amongst the 1583 Americans who are still missing in action today in Southeast Asia from the secret war so getting back to that day the um, a standard operating procedure, if a team disappears or is in severe trouble, there's a bright light. And a bright light is an emergency insertion by a recon team. In this case, it was Spike Team Oregon with George uh, Sternberg, who, if you haven't seen it, was on Sodcast 1. And he talked about that day in extensive detail from his point of view. He was Mike Tucker and Steve Perry, were the Americans with four or five indigenous troops from Spike Team Idaho. They went in looking for Idaho, they found no one, they had heavy contact, everybody was wounded, they had one of their team members was killed in action. The team was pulled out, and this was the scene where you go in, and that moment in time, just one day where uh, you're riding in the chase ship. And we've never heard your side, but that brief time on the ground, I can't imagine all the bullets being shot around you as you went over. Can you talk a little bit about how you landed and then what you saw or didn't see? And, of course, like we said, you were hoping to see somebody from Idaho, but you didn't.
0: Well, Tilt, let me back up a little bit. Please do. Uh, I I was still assigned to R.T. Idaho. My promotion was pending. I was to go down to another... uh, fob and and uh, take charge of what they call a Loi team Loi was a famous uh, warrior in the old uh, the vietnamese tribal wars and uh, i hadn't left the compound i was still assigned to rt idaho i was supposed to go on that mission and lane said spider you're getting promoted, you get ready to go down to Khantoum and uh, uh, Owen is ready and we had, Owen had trained with us, he'd had another tour uh, ahead of that and was ready to go and Lane said, you know, uh, you need need to stay here and prepare to go, this, you know, I'll take Owen, Owen was ready, so I was okay with that. and then when we didn't hear from them, uh, I be became adamant that I wanted to go. And then uh, uh, Colonel Bill Shelton said, "Spider, you you can go on the chase ship." I said, "Okay, that'll be enough." And uh, that's why I was on the chase ship. And of course, uh, I had a radio, uh, but I could I could only pick up the fox mic. I couldn't hear the. Uh, UHF and the VHF for the spads and the uh, and of and course Covey. my Vietnamese wasn't good enough it was good enough to tell the the pilot we go down now anyway <laughs> uh, the uh, uh, the LT there were, there was plenty of smoke down there but we we landed we came in and uh, and so I,
1: just for clarity. You you told the king B to go down after Sternberg was out, so that team is out. No, no, but you didn't know it. They, where were
0: you? They were still, they were still on the ground. Okay, and we didn't know, and I didn't know what the what the uh, aviators were okay. talking about. Right, and then I I'd heard that uh, uh, the uh, Fox Mike broadcast that you know they were they were uh, the uh <clears throat> the king bees were coming in for pickup so we were right behind them and and of course sternberg and the team were were at the bomb crater i believe and they he was he had steve perry because i think tucker was wounded also but uh there was some confusion there and then
1: and steve was seriously injured yep he was uh, paralyzed from the waist down at that it, moment he had from a uh, hand grenade he
0: he had had one of the m26s or concussion concussion grenades that had landed in there but i landed about 40 meters from that bomb crater and was running over the other toward them when the when he had thrown or well tossed uh, Steve Perry on, on the aircraft and he had been shot in the arm. I could see him waving and it looked like that he was flipping him off with his with his free hand.
1: And and Sternberg got shot in the right arm. In the right arm. But he's left handed.
0: He's left handed. So
1: he's yes. shooting and he still found time yeah. to flip the bird yeah. to the NVA. That's yes. one of those golden moments in solid history. And of course <laughs> I
0: talked to Sternberg after that but after that incident, they were all met back back to Fubai. Uh, I had some shrapnel in the arm and stuff. It was minor stuff, and they couldn't take me at the FOB because the dispensary was full, and they they took me off down to the uh, mass unit down in, down the street. Bill Shelton was owned the PSP pad when we came back to Fubai, and he said hey spider you going down there and take care of that shit so <laughs> and that's what it was but, yeah and then i came <clears throat> back and found out that they had been further meta back uh, down to Da Nang or i don't know if they went all the way back to Camp Zama but about a month later we went down to be interviewed by some uh, by some intel types down in Saigon and uh, Saigon had been recently hit with uh, uh, with a, a sapper attacks, and we stayed at the safe house, or I stayed at the safe house, house ten, 10. house ten, and then I went out to the Tonkinut uh, to the liaison board where Pappy Webb was out there, and I knew I could get some alcohol and and <laughs> poker, so uh, I went in. They didn't really want to talk to me much about about what went on in, uh, uh, in the white bright light uh, LZ. Okay. But I gave them that report. I don't know what happened to it.
1: So let's back the tape up a little bit further then. Uh, when did you land in South Vietnam? And uh, this is after, of course, uh, just for the record, you and I met in the summer of 1967 at A Company, Special Forces Training Group, along with Tony Harrell, Rick Estes, Rick Howard... And a few other uh, luminaries, Ron Owens. But we went through training group together. Play, you and I played in the same softball team with Tony, and we played against uh, John McIntyre from Company B. Beat them profoundly. So, and uh, thanks to your pitching skills. And uh, so we had we knew each other from training group. And so uh, when you landed in Vietnam, I was still going through some T D Y training back in the states. But when did you land? In Vietnam, and how when did you get assigned up to uh, FOB One?
0: I landed in Vietnam uh, just just after Tet of sixty eight, and uh, I uh, I had gone V O C O to uh, up to FOB One by way of FOB Three in Quezon. and I. I had been reading about Quezon in the in the front uh, page news of, of the siege, sure. and I said, you know, uh, uh, <laughs> that's why my dad said, don't volunteer for nothing. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> at any rate, I met Troll Sternberg up there a few days before I was able to get out of Quezon and... and uh, uh, that is another experience that I was so glad I was assigned to FOB1. Wow, how long were you at k I, I mean, I, FOB3 about was about a week.
1: Whew, that's a week it, too long, right? Well,
0: yes, it was. I, I can tell you a little story of what happened. Uh, <laughs> I, I was on a King B, and I had, a, I had an M16 and a duffel bag full of new uh, sterile fatigues right. that, that had no red dirt on them. And I looked around. The guy that was on the the chopper with me was a guy named Valentine, and he looked completely red dirt and mud, <laughs> and it, uh, he he needed to shave. And, and the red dirt uh, yeah, was from Kaisan. Yeah, red dirt. Yeah, that from Quezon. He'd been on, he'd been down to to uh, Saigon and was coming back up. Anyway, here's what it's like. The helicopter said, "We go down now," and they just it's like being on a roller coaster. They, they go down, and then about 12 feet, 10 feet off the ground, I saw my duffel bag go out, and it's going end over end. I looked around and said, this is not my stop. And, of course, the, oh, the, door, right? the door gunners pushed me out, <laughs> <laughs> and, and they did not want to stay long. So no. I found my duffel bag, and nobody was out then a hand comes up out of out of a bunker and says hey hey you hey expletive yes <laughs> come over here run run mother sticker yeah <laughs> and and it, so i start running over there and i hear this boom in the background and everybody's underground and, and those are 122 rockets or mortars coming off of co rock mountain which is right outside of Quezon. Indeed. But that, that was my introduction to, v- to Vietnam, really. Oh,
1: and, and the reason why the King Bee didn't stay very long is because at that point in time during that Tet Offensive, any, any aircraft that landed there generated enemy gunfire, mortars, or in this case, 122 at rockets. At
0: the airfield, you could see the remnants of a C-47 blown apart. And, and you could see that on on the ground. You knew that hey, this is Indian territory. <laughs> and I say that with respect to Indians. And Indeed. We'll get into that later on if you want to. We
1: absolutely will. and Talk a little bit more about the uh, Comanche experience. But getting back to uh, R.T. Idaho, ST Idaho. So you get back to Fubai, and somebody says through the process, introduces you to Glen Lane. How's that work? Um, well, I, I,
0: the Sergeant Major... This is all due to me, too. Sergeant Major en, Enriquez at the time uh, called us in, and he said, uh, uh, I forget. Uh, we had started off from from uh, the SFOB in Natrang. That was about 15 people. When I got up there, there was about four of us on a chopper. And the Sergeant Major said... Uh, uh, any of you had any recon experience? And I, of course, I said, "Well, I was in a recon t- reconnaissance troop in in uh, the 49th Armored Division when it was activated at Fort Pope, and I have a l- some experience in that. And I was also on a LERP with the 16th Infantry Rangers. And he was smiling. And he said." We got a place for you, Spider. Oh. <laughs> but anyway, it wasn't Spider at the time. Right. But I, I messed up. <laughs> but Enricus was a super sergeant major, as, as were all of them there that we had. Yeah.
1: So he then assigns you or- to
0: R.T. Idaho. Right. And uh, one of the uh, one of the former members had uh, gone on a mission and decided that it wasn't for him. And of course, there was nothing derogatory, but uh, they got him out of the FOB. Uh,
1: Post haste.
0: Well, <laughs> not not soon enough. Uh, to the uh, Lane uh, Lane had to had filled fill me in and said, "Hey, uh, you know, he's leaving, and right. here's why." Anyway.
1: And more importantly, you're on a team. You get introduced to the team, and between that time and May of '68. You ran several missions with Glenn Lane as the one zero, and, uh, and
0: no, I ran as the one one.
1: Yeah, Glenn Lane was the one zero. Yes. You're the one one.
0: We had several Hey You missions we, we had to experience uh, before you got there. Uh, uh, had to fill in for a guy on the Hatchet Force, but I went on two bright lights that I remember. Well two bright lights, yeah, one of them was for down uh, hey you down pilot right outside of Hanoi and uh, I think I gave a a story about this in John plaster's book about a mig twenty one flying underneath us and no. and, and uh, one of the guys on sleep that's uh uh talking to lane I said lane what what would you do if you saw a mig and he said why well, shit <laughs> <laughs> and he said well you better start because <laughs> that's a mig <laughs> anyway something to yeah. that tune but i i didn't really want to open up to john plaster because i didn't know him right but he was certainly a great covey writer and a uh, one zero in his own right, and he did so much research there that I didn't feel the things I did were important enough to be in that book.
1: Well, and just for the record, uh, we have interviewed John, and he will be on. He was on podcast number eleven, sodcast number eleven, and yes, he did three tours of duty, and uh, our listeners will enjoy that tape. But getting back to Spider Park story, so that's one bright light just outside of Hanoi. Were you able to get to the pilot?
0: We did, no kidding. We had a heavy team. We we put up a. There was no one around it, and and uh, we couldn't get the pilot out. Uh, this is probably not probably not uh, appropriate to talk about. But uh, we have things called crispy critters, right? And that's what uh, you know jet fuel can do, and. And if you want, you want to take parts of that human remains out of that uh, cockpit, that would have been all we'd been able to do. And and Lane chose not to do it. I believe it was appropriate.
1: Yeah, you were able to confirm the status of the pilot. Which the pilot sadly... was
0: was was confirmed dead. And uh, you know, I don't know what the status that the family got, but uh, indeed, uh, again they have this they have this status now with the DPAA that if uh uh confirmed dead uh, BNR body not recovered and the body may have not been recovered because of the elements because of uh, uh, the right. because of, of the crispy critter mode and and uh, uh another great aviator as you and I know, we'd be fertilizer in Southeast Asia if it wasn't for the great aviators.
1: Without a doubt. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. Fearless of I've nature. talked too much. I'm sorry. No, that's why you're here, because we're paying you the big bucks for that talk. And we appreciate that. And Jocko Productions appreciates you taking the time to talk to us today. Absolutely.
0: Well, well I'd be glad to meet Jocko in the paycheck. Thank you. <laughs> Indeed.
1: <laughs> but uh, I'd like to go back... Um, to the very beginning when you talked to your sergeant major and explained about your history a little bit because this is a very unique time uh, for your, in your life and um, you joined the army around 56, 57?
0: 50, and 57, 58.
1: And um, just tell us a little bit about a couple of units. You had a very unique uh, company commander at one point but uh, I, I wanted you to tell us about that so it's accurate.
0: Company commander?
1: Well,
0: the 16th. So, a guy named Jack? Uh, the guy was a battle group commander who's a full colonel. He was an OSS combat veteran, a uh, very famous uh, general, uh, Jack Senglob.
1: Who lives in Franklin, Tennessee today? Lives he just in Franklin, he Tennessee. Just turned 100 years old still, last month.
0: Still alive. I worked for him at three different occasions during my 30 years of, or more or less. Uh, but I was in the Army Reserve when I came to Vietnam, which is not unique. And, of course, nowadays uh, I had volunteered to go back on active duty in 1967 to go through operations and intelligence school and, and get my full flash for uh, Special Forces. Right. But it wasn't my first time with Special Forces or rangers or special operations
1: indeed so you had that earlier time with those companies and that's what led to that it, experience that yes, brings you to Fort bragg
0: i was sent to bad toast germany in 1959 as a COMO person <laughs> and a a, a a long range patrol type ranger type
1: and of course Batos at that time was the headquarters for Tenth Special Forces 10th Group. Tenth Special
0: Forces Group.
1: And the Cold War was at in full full yeah, full swing. They indeed. had
0: dead A in in Berlin. And I was privy to all of that. And and of course Colonel Feisenheimer, I believe, was the was the group commander of, of the tenth group. And uh, there's some people that met me that are still alive, uh, uh Another another American Indian, uh, I call him a drugstore Indian, but but he's <laughs> he's uh, uh that's Luke Emanuel. He knew me at, at uh, Tenth Group when a lot of people said Spider couldn't have been there. But anyway, right. <laughs> uh, 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 so most of the most of the things that are not easily explained uh, uh, can be backed up by uh, you know by the appropriate liar.
1: <laughs> but also, so this, so you can talk to. You're not a a, a store Indian. You're the real deal.
0: No, I'm not. I'm a, I'm a part breed. I'm. I well, it's okay. But, but that's, that's I, it. I have lived on a reservation. I slept with the horses. I grew up and and uh, uh, chewed that dirt with. But the reservation we're, we're on no longer exists. It was. Uh, it was kind of like a gypsy, uh, a gypsy band. There were Comanches, Apaches, Navajos, Hoopies, Zunis, and all kinds of uh, Mexican and Mexican Indians, uh, who my first language was Comanche. Mm-hmm. Second language was slang Spanish. Third language was broken English and profanity. Indeed. Which I'm still proficient at.
1: Very proficient. And since then, you've also added how many more languages?
0: Korean? I learned German from being in Germany, and I went to a small German course. I went to the Defense Language Institute on three occasions. I learned Korean, uh, uh, limited fluency Russian, and advanced Spanish.
1: (laughs) Advanced and you know, from that time on, on, your, on the reservation, that also led you to an, an experience where your time with horses and working with indigenous people really paid off. And you, this is like a little sidebar before we get back to Vietnam, but just one of those interesting stories where, because you grew up with horses, on one of your assignments, you were encountered horses and could you just talk a little bit about that for a quick sidebar
0: okay well trying to make it we were in (laughs) colombia training the the anti-terrorists in bogota colombia uh training the police and military they had a stable there they had we were doing a training exercise and and my commander was down there with us and uh some of the people on our our uh uh Special Ops team that one of our companies had the same mission as the Delta Force has for the Central and South America. And many of uh, them had some experience with horses. The Sergeant Major at that time, a friend of mine who went through O&I with me in 67, (laughs) lost an eye in Vietnam uh, with SOG. uh, Francisco Medina. Uh, oh, I know that we, name. We were pretty much accomplished horsemen, and several of the other guys were. But the other guys, uh, they really couldn't go with us to to help out with this exercise we were on, and that sort of bonded with the uh, with the people we were working with in Colombia, in Bogota at that time.
1: And uh, you're in the mountains. You're uh, working with uh, some uh, local indigenous uh, people we there. Are,
0: we had later on in around I was it in the 80s when the palace of justice was came down oh. uh, that contact that our company had with those people and my commander I, I'm not sure if this is still classified but the uh, the takedown of the ju- uh, of, of the ju- palace of justice uh, the 3rd of the 7th had a lot to do with that so Indeed. That, enough. Enough said.
1: Well, maybe we'll we'll come back a little later. But but here the key element was on this exercise, you and a couple other special forces soldiers. Yes. Worked with the indigenous troops, and your experiences with horses helped you to ingratiate yourself as Establish a Green Beret. Does tilt. Indeed. <laughs> But that's that's just like one of the little sidebars. Yeah, but it's well, just,
0: uh, you know, and, and that's not unheard of. Uh, the uh, folks in Iraq and Afghanistan, uh, some of the reserve special forces guys were were really into that that uh, you know the horse soldiers. Indeed. And my heart goes out to them. They, you know, I salute them.
1: Yeah. Whereas the majority of the people in the horse story, horse soldier story. They weren't horsemen. You guys were, and it helped to ingratiate you with the people you were working with. I
0: think some of those guys were horsemen. Oh, there were. They had skills. There
1: were a few. Well, I must
0: tell you this. My father was in the horse cavalry. He was in the old guard. Is that right? Yes. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) Tell me more.
1: Old guard? That's enough. That's enough. Okay, well, let's get back to Vietnam. That's in Arlington
0: Cemetery, but he, he was in the horse cavalry. I, of course, uh, our our family is so uh, dysfunctional, which nowadays that's that's you know uh, that that's a uh, uh, mental health term. Indeed, it's, but it's appropriate.
1: Indeed, but so uh, we took that little sidebar. So let's get back to Vietnam, back to FOB One, St. R. T. Idaho is now missing an action, they come to you, say, Spider, you're not going to go to Contum. We're going to make you to one zero of Idaho. And that's where you and I met, or we met, actually.
0: Let's back up a little Let's bit.
1: Let's back up. That's why I pay you the big bucks.
0: Colonel Shelton, Colonel Roy Barr, Major Jacks, uh, Major Clyde Sincere said, Spider... You want to keep Idaho, the name of Idaho, and stay on Idaho, or you want to change the name? I went to the interpreter, because here's the word, and and I'll say this a little bit. I had some notes here, but I've had a charmed life. So has Hip, our interpreter. He and I, for some reason, he wasn't on that mission. I was not on that mission, and the other Folks that are assigned to Idaho, uh, Sal and Foo people right. that you met later on, they determined that Spider's lucky. He ain't good, but he's lucky. <laughs> <laughs> and, and of course, uh, they knew that I had some recon skills because I believe I did. You did. And we, uh, we improved on the uh, SOP that, Lane had so hardly worked on, or not hardly worked on, but so worked on so hard. And one of the things that we always, all of the teams that networked together and got in, you know, after duty, or it when appropriate to, to think about, hey, what works in the bush, man? What are you doing right? right. And we shared those things.
1: And that would be uh, the the main sharing ground would be the clubhouse.
0: Yeah, or the on mess FLB hall. One.
1: Or a mess hall, sure. The
0: mess hall and, and or out there on in the company uh, gravel pit or yard, uh, the firing range, wherever. But we shared that information, and and one of the things was, stay off trails. You know. Yeah, that's the golden and, and, rule. Yeah, and, and we'll talk about that later on. Sure. Uh, but at any rate. We came back. Uh, I took hip with me and I said, Hey, hell no, we're keeping Idaho, Idaho's our team, and we're going to keep it. And then a few days later, you came in, or you were already there, you passed RT Idaho going out on that mission. You might want to talk about that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I we've mentioned it before quickly when I landed at FOB1, me, Johnny McIntyre, and John Hutchins, uh, the three of us. King B came in, landed. And, of course, that was our first time we ever flew in a Kingby. And they gave us that initiation, come up Highway 1, heading north, flip it on its side. <laughs> it's like, holy shit, what's going on? <laughs> but we survived that. We landed. Idaho gets on and disappears into history, SOG history, a tragic chapter therein. And uh, so they disappear. They attempt to find them. They can't. The bright light gets shot up. You're on the ground with shrapnel wounds, et cetera, and then you become the one zero, and the thing I remember is that training. You and, of course, Don Wilkin was the assistant team leader, and uh, uh, he, he came on the team, and that's when we started all that training, and you just worked us. I worked us hard, then we had the monsoons, the bags, and then our uh, we did a practice mission, a night ambush, and then we had our first real mission where you're the one zero, and they augmented the team to insert Air Force sensors into the Ashaw.
0: We had one more prior to that. Remember Which when one? they sent that team in with us, they got in a firefight. Well,
1: you they, told me that was a practice mission. It wasn't for real. <laughs> it was Cause for it was, real. Oh, it was on the east side of the Ashaw. <laughs> no, it was,
0: it was real. <laughs> <laughs> but the, you done good, boy. <laughs> <laughs> I may be slow, but I got
1: there. <laughs> Uh, yes. And the other team that was parallel to us, they ambushed the Pathet Lau ambush.
0: They, uh, they got run out.
1: After they ambushed the ambush? They, they got,
0: (laughs) they got run out and we stayed in another couple of nights and, and, uh, the, the headshot thought we were great, but we, you know, we were just, (laughs) well, kind of, uh, Moving around in place and and not uh, you know not not really uh, moving too far, but uh, we were told just you just go in there and, As an and area we, area yeah, we recon. Did, we did, did have a little. Remember that area we landed on where <laughs> where uh, we won't go into any more about that. We but it won't was a, go into it was detail. a big open area and they had a, something like a gravel road. We watched that road a little bit.
1: We did. I yep. remember that part. And yep. then that was my first exposure to Laotian mosquitoes when in the morning I could barely open my eyes. I had been eaten alive by the mosquitoes Well,
0: you, you guys from New Jersey just didn't, didn't have it all together. We didn't. We're <laughs> <the>
1: city slickers. <laughs> so after that first successful mission, which I thought was a practice mission all those years, thank you for the clarification, Sergeant. Um, then the Air Force censors. And that mission, you were the one zero, augmented with Les Daniels from uh, uh, RT, Rhode Island, mm-hmm. and then we had Bob Ross came in from S three, and I forget why those two gentlemen had worked with the equipment, and they were there to augment the team. But you were the one zero, took us in, and maybe talk a little bit about what that mission was. We had the main computer, all everything was buried, and then two more coaxial cables that went out to lesser sensors that could pick up motion on the trail.
0: Well, that's why Ross and, and I believe, uh, I don't know if it was Hal Falk, the other guy, but... but uh, Les Daniels. That, Les, Les Daniels was, was with us to insert. Right, okay. We inserted them. They turned them on and made sure that we didn't screw them up. Right. And they were out <laughs> there, you know, to, to do that. But uh, uh, they said, Spider, you're going to be in charge. You're going to be the one... One zebra. I said, "Okay." I said, "I'd, I'd rather not go out with someone you know that maybe their first, second mission on the ground or whatever." But Ross and Falk were great people, and and uh, they, they helped us. But you remember when we buried those things? There was an antenna sticking up. Right. And when we, the reason we didn't get killed. On the way in is because they couldn't lower the AA guns low enough. They they thought the 101st was coming in, and they were going to be coming in at oh, 3,000. That right? That's the reason. <laughs> we came in right off the— and remember, you guys uh, had your last rites the night before because we we're did. we're going to land on the Ochi Trail and we're we're going in know. the asphalt. Yeah, we, yeah, yeah, we were
1: there, pretty out certain out that we were yeah, going right, to be dead within twenty four hours.
0: Yeah, and uh, the the reason we got in and is out is because we came in low. Uh, and that was
1: with the first calf on that mission.
0: No, that was 101st. the hundred first. The choppers might have been from the first calf. Okay. But the hundred first came in, and remember, we went up to LZ Bastone. Right. We laid there, and we were panting, you know, drinking <laughs> water. And here's the funny story that I remember: they had a they had a tent up there, and here comes this captain with a flak jacket and a steel pot, running over to where we were laying there on the ground, you know, getting our yeah. breath back. Said. Who are these people? Where are your steel pots? Where are your flak jackets? My God, you haven't shaved. <laughs> and who's in charge here? <laughs> and and I believe it was you, but that'd be Spider. He says, Spider, who is Spider? What? <laughs> and anyway, he's a you know, I get up, I'm I am I didn't call him sir or anything. We were in sterile fatigues. And he looked around at all our little people with gold teeth and and uh, better weapons than they had. Absolutely, the Car Fifteens. Yeah. And he said, "Who, what, what's going on? Who's in charge here?" And then here comes a major out of the headquarters says, "says Where's Spider? General Zeiss wants to talk to Spider." <laughs> <laughs> and then this captain almost locked his heels. He said. Uh, so I went over there, and and what he's telling me, he said, he said maybe five minutes after you put those sensors in, we started picking up transmissions. I don't know if they were deer or rabbits or or NVA coming, but we got said you guys did a great job. Get on out of here. But that no was kidding. that that was the hundred and first commander. Whoa. And you know.
1: I'd forgotten that
0: completely. Yeah, but well, don't you remember that? Not camp, at all. I'm still recovering. Over. Oh, yeah. Well, maybe it wasn't you.
1: <laughs> it may not have been. Maybe been another white guy. Might have been. It. Might Walton.
0: have. Might have been Daniels. <laughs> but Daniels is another American Indian. He's a. Oh, he's, he's a, great, a Ute. Is that right? Yep. Right out of Colorado. I, I got to, I got to link up with him later on. So.
1: Oh no, kidding. Because Les Daniels was. For the record, probably one of, if not the best one zeros in camp. Better than me. Oh, better than all of us, for sure. Great guy. Um, so then in September, Idaho put in another set of sensors up by Quezon. I forget, were you the one zero for that? Was no, that I by that was time, not, was Don.
0: No, 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 it must have been Don Walker Okay.
1: Or, or you. No, no, not me. It was Don, because uh, yeah. that was September up by I, Highway 9.
0: Idaho became sort of a. a uh, uh, best horse, uh, use you know, uh, <laughs> use your best donkeys and and uh, guys that seem to have a charmed uh, existence.
1: Well, we ran that mission, and also during that time we had some monsoons, so the team was inactive, a lot of duty in, in in the camp, and then finally we come to uh, October the fifth, when St. Alabama is inserted. And uh, they had an inexperienced 10 team leader, and they went in with a nine man team. The second helicopter went in with Lynn Black and some indigenous troops from ST Alabama. And Lynn told the inexperienced 10 there's an NVA flag here, it's at least a battalion, we're nine, we should leave now. The Vietnamese team members told the 10 we should leave now. He said no. And then he committed the mortal sin, which we referenced earlier. He walked down, he led the team down a trail. They walked into an L shaped ambush where they were ambushed by 50 NVA, killing two members of the team right away. The team leader, who made the wrong decision, and tragically, a really good point man was killed instantly. Firefight went on. It commenced all day. And at this point, yourself and Spider Parks. Uh, Spider Parks, you are. Pat Watkins were flying Covey that day for the entire day, relaying Camo from the team on the ground with Lynn Black talking to you and you and or Pat Watkins directing airstrikes all day. And uh, first, just, we've talked about it a little bit in the book, Across the Fence, but for you, what are a couple things that stick out in your mind and then... I think it was near the end of the day, you had one of those moments in life that you'll never forget where you almost had a mid-air collision.
0: Well, first of all, Tilt, we, uh, I was flying Covey. We were both out there. Uh, I was a Covey rider. I wasn't, I'm i not a Covey pilot. Covey pilots could do everything that Covey riders could do and more. And, But here's the thing. Pat was was uh, uh, I believe he was with uh uh covey two five six maybe two five four uh they were they're were about bingo on gas and they couldn't stay as long and as bingo did. means
1: low on fuel yep yep.
0: anyway he uh he had we had told James stride and uh, Go out on a VR and you pick your own LZ. Don't don't pick the one that's that's been appointed for you. And we think that there's a mole somewhere, and we shared that information. I said,
1: uh, even that early in May,
0: sixty yeah. eight. Wow. But but even uh, the the fact that. Uh, he did not want to listen. It was really uh, detrimental to what happened to the, you know to that team. And then I got the uh, I I got on the horn or on the Fox Mike radio with Lynn Black, and he's saying the one two is down. I think he's dead. And then I Lynn will tell you this that I told him said Well, check him out. Said, you are not a medic, are you Anyway, come find out he wasn't. He was not dead he was praying and of course uh, that's not the time you need to put that in a different compartment get on but there are so many things that went wrong the weather was bad they went in a hole and aircraft was stacked up high and that's why we almost had a mid-air collision with too many aircraft in there and of course pat watkins i and i were both over jolly green one zero which was piloted by a uh, an air a, a pilot from the great services known as the Coast Guard, <laughs> and we watched that B forty rocket as it went into that chopper, did an, a, a a dive, flipped flipped over, and crashed into the jungle. And the Urk ten radio, the emergency radio, came up. I thought no one could have survived that crash, and it was the PJ off a of Jolly Green One Zero. Wow! Yeah, and uh, of course that story in your book takes up a lot of appropriate time to to deal with it correctly, and and uh, I'll never forget that day, but I'll never forget the day that that. Uh, uh, Lane and Owen were missing. There's several other turning points, uh, Marble Mountain, of course, and, and uh, uh, New Year's Day seems like uh, a lot of a lot of things happened Well, all, all yeah, day. if
1: we could, uh, uh, I agree. We're going to go to each one of those. So, but the specificity for that one moment in time, people hear about tac air, air cover, working it, how difficult it is. And like you said, on that day, uh, the team was in trouble early in the morning. They were on the ground the entire day until you all got them out. You and Pat working with all the air assets, which includes A-1 Sky Raiders, Air Force fast movers. We lost another King B. That Jolly Green went down. A second Jolly Green was shot up so bad that after they extracted the an team. F-4. And did they lose an F-4? I
0: believe they did. But we got them out at last light. Right. Uh, Watkins had, had had to go back for gas, if you remember. Absolutely. Yep. And, but Watkins is a much better uh, covey rider than me. He's, he's, he's the one I hate for <laughs> 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 I hate and love, but he recommended that I uh, leave the team and, and be a, a Covey rider. But,
1: and just but, for the record, you two both were outstanding covey riders. So from, from being on the ground, Talking to you all, saving our bacon—I can say that for the record. But uh, the, the moment in time on that mission for you, at one point, you almost—you and your pilot—almost had a mid-air collision. Yes. With an F four.
0: An F four turned and, us on our side and and uh, loosened the uh, the marking rockets on my side of the airplane. I had rockets, <laughs> but the the uh, the rocket pod was useless after we landed, and I don't know how it stayed on. But but yes, it was close.
1: And it was that close because, and people don't realize, with a jet moving several hundred miles an hour past you, just the force of that air alone, not only did your aircraft bounce, but it was damaged. Yes. And, okay, so that's a moment in time. So as part of your history, on August the uh, 22nd, you were down in da Nang for a promotion board, and this was this led to a major. Uh, we, we didn't realize it on the twenty second, but in the early morning hours of the twenty third, there was a severe attack on FOB Four in Danang, and you had gone downtown to our safe house that night, and you came back in the morning to see the carnage. Yes, and if you could talk a little bit about how after the Viet Cong and NVA sappers had planned an attack for over a year. They launched it in the early, light, early morning, no moonlight, and they ultimately killed 16 Green Berets at that base and others. And we lost dozens of indigenous. And the NVA that came in wore headbands and said, We came to die, and they did. And so after that night of fighting, you came in. What did you see at fob before?
0: Well, we were at House Twenty Two, which was a a uh, safe a house. safe house, <laughs> and and uh, I they were showing a movie at at uh, FOB Four, and I told Pat Watkins that we ran to the uh, to the uh, transit hooches, which were partially partially being built, but we wanted to get close to the shower. Uh, the rooms closest to the shower were already occupied. One of the rooms that we liked when we were down there we stayed at before was near the shower and Lieutenant Potter was already in there oh, and really? a couple of the others. yeah, well, that is like having a charmed life because that room was destroyed and lieutenant potter was killed in his bed at, in his bed right there at at that at that point but we moved down the hall and i put my rucksack in there and then i said hey pat yep yep I said hey pat why don't you let me take your <laughs> your swedish k automatic 9mm with me cuz you know, I'm going down there and there's some bad guys out that way. I said, you guys are going to be here, you know. And, and he, he had a 45 caliber pistol. I had a I had <laughs> a 38 because it was in my uh, uh, my uh, Your Air vest. Force flight vest. And I was, hey, you'd, when I got back off a of mission, said, you're going down to the promotion board. And, and, of course, I didn't get to bring any clean fatigues or anything down there. I just got my... I usually carried my uh, Car 15 and hand grenades and all that. back down there with a 38 and six loose rounds, and, oh. uh, <laughs> and I, so I had uh, uh, I had Watkins uh, two magazines and a and a, uh, and a uh, Swedish K. Yeah. So I took that down at about I guess about two thirty, three o'clock in the morning we got we got a a guy a couple of guys tried to get in the house 22 and and the gate guards there fired them up then we got the word that that fob4 and ccn was under fire we got on a three-quarter ton and drove to there at the as morning was breaking and they let us in we went up by the uh uh went up by the dispensary where people were laid out there. There was still fire. There were still sappers. We went down the fence line. I ran into Watkins, and, of course, he hugged me and didn't, didn't want to strangle me because I had his automatic weapon. <laughs> he had to use his forty-five. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what happened to Watkins and Varney, Varney was on the chopper with us. They They were smart enough to hide behind their mattresses, when the, uh, when the sapper rolled a hand grenade down the hallway and blew it in. And then Pat went outside and killed that sapper with his forty-five. Then uh, they got they got behind some, uh, I guess it was a, some sand piles or, or sandbags, and then Watkins told me that they were getting fire from the combo bunker. And uh, uh, there was a a captain Pfeiffer who had thrown a grenade over maybe fifty yards or yeah, long distance. He long had a strong distance. arm. And and uh, Vorney had got up to to tell the people inside the combo boxers, "Hey, we're Americans," but they were already sappers in there, and, and he got shot, so he was killed, and and. Uh, Watkins and I went on down after sunrise. We were down just before sunrise, I guess. There was some. There was two NVA sappers in their uh, loin line cloths, and and they were in our latrines. Right. Our wooden, you know, latrines. Latrine. Yeah. And they had locked arms, and they were getting fired up. I believe. Uh, Doug Gottshaw had walked down there with us because we were picking up stragglers. There was no organized uh, organized defense as as you would have it. And Watkins took charge of that. He said, Hey, we're gonna go here. We gotta prepare for a counterattack. Nobody thought I didn't think about a counterattack, but he did. And he said, you know, he said, we're gonna well, we we took these stragglers down and uh, uh, firing inside that uh, th- that uh, shitter, yeah, <laughs> and it <laughs> blew apart. They had laid together and pulled the pin on a hand grenade and killed themselves. Now, those guys were dedicated. They were, you know, oh yeah, uh, of course. To them, that was a, their mission and it was worth dying for. We can, you know, we were doing the same things. We, we didn't want to die, but you know when it come to it you, you know you and I we had our SOP we had our final rounds we had our we had our Less nine millimeters grenades. we had our <laughs> hand grenades and uh, you know not going to be taken alive so no. that when you fighting those kind of people I mean grudgingly respect that hey they did what what they were fighting for however uh, you know why I didn't, I have no remorse in squeezing the trigger. None. So, yes, that... Uh,
1: so you were there for that historic moment? Yes. You were there with Lynn Black uh, on I, October 5th? You know, 5th. I
0: should have been there, but I, I would have <laughs> probably been in Lieutenant ba- Potter's bunk. But anyway, I believe I've had a charmed uh, life.
1: Without a question. And then two days after October 5th, I'm biased on this, just to wander for a second... You and Pat Watkins, again, as Cubby Riders, were over our team when uh, we finally made contact with you all. And you provided the great coverage for us, coordinated the air. And again, we got out last night with uh, Captain Tin pulling us out. And then other moments in time, which would include Christmas Day, which was one of the most unusual uh, transmissions I ever had. It's on the ground. We're in contact. And you said... We got an intel report, do not go to the Northeast, and you had talked to the Frenchman.
0: Yes, yeah, I remember that. <laughs> yeah, he said, don't move, don't move a hair. Tell those guys, you know, tell those guys, don't tell them why. Because, you know, another thing that we we didn't pay enough attention to is the ability of the NVA to RDF. They They were masters at that, that you know, after a few transmissions. Uh, they yeah, were able to, get and the it. RDF you know
1: is radio direction yeah. finders. Yeah. So they were able to triangulate. If yeah. they had, if you were on the FM radio, for just a short amount of time, like Doug's case, he wanted to remain clandestine mm-hmm. and well, minimal. He, he
0: gave me the right info, and and I, he said just relay it. And I said, yes, sir, private. <laughs> 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 you and Doug Letourneau are private PFCs, <laughs> right? So,
1: um, we'll go fast ahead for for one week. On New Year's Eve, 68, team is inserted. You went out, gave them a team okay. You came back a little bit concerned uh, because it was New Year's Eve. We won't talk about your concerns, but you came back, and in the morning, you flew out early again to check in with the team. And that was where, one of the first times we had a recon team on the ground, hit by sappers yeah and so again this is another one of those sad but historic moments so you you're directly involved
0: i was on the radio with uh i believe that was uh Le Bon, or who is the other but
1: halls and hall halls cuz yeah, we knew halls they from they were canadians they were
0: yeah. but he, he said wait and i heard AK fire in the background, and I just started shaking my head because I never got another transmission from them. Wow, and that's where the whole team. Uh, th- there were no Indians killed. Is that right? Correct. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And and that fine crew chief from the 101st that went down on the string, and tied the bodies
1: no, i wasn't i've forgotten that part
0: well, they took them down to to uh it, to f o b four and remember colonel Warren you, talk, you but there we've got too many stories <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, uh,
1: these are the sog stories that you were directly involved in yes and and more and more, and so i would we've gone through some of that, and so for your remaining tour of duty. You and I were together at f o b four at c c n after they closed f o b one but I seldom them saw you because you're busy doing what down there you're wrapping up your tour of duty
0: and a bone chin strap <laughs> up there where up uh, uh, up up where uh uh, uh. Larry Trimble's team was up there and I was up there with another FOB. I didn't want to hang around the headset. I thought I'd get heyed again indeed. And you know what hey you is for our audiences you know you're standing around doing nothing and uh, uh, you can explain it better than me. but you've been hey
2: youed yeah too. hey you you have to, t- Tom <laughs> <All untold. laughs>
1: And uh, so from here, I'd like to go back to something we skirted over when you were talking. Maybe we can't go into too much detail now, but when you were in Bogota, there was another, this is a changing gears. We're going from SOG now to years later. You're in Bogota, and you quickly mentioned the Hall of Justice had been overrun by terrorists. And you were there at that moment in time, Could you talk just a little bit?
0: I I wasn't there when it happened, but I got there later on. It's kind of like when I got into FOB4, (laughs) you know, (laughs) a charmed life.
1: (laughs) Indeed. But that was um, a moment in time where you're still, were you still with the 3rd or 7th then?
0: The thirty seventh.
1: Okay. And so you're down there, and that was where the terrorists took over the Hall of Justice in Bogota. Killed the justices, yes. Wow.
0: Executed I don't know how many uh, Supreme Court justices, but of of the assignments I've had, Till, uh, Mm -hmm. the third of the seventh and the duty up in El Salvador, either other countries training their armies, training their uh, uh, civilian defense forces, uh, going to... Argentina, getting to travel on the parachute team to every country in Central and South America except Chile. Uh, the third of the seventh of the two tours I had there, the tour in, in the first group, in the first of the first in Okinawa, finest assignments I've had except for the one at Fubai.
1: <laughs> yeah, that was a little different, that's for yeah, sure. a little different. But nonetheless, that's a special forces career that's really, you're too modest to say it, but I'll say it, is exemplary. And that's why we're here today. I'm just honored to have you with us to talk about that. And, uh, you know, during that time, you also spent some time in Korea. And I remember there was at least one poster that was made from May 6, like 98 or 99, when you had participated and a major jump, your jump demonstration team had jumped into Korea, and you had talked a little bit about your time in Korea with uh, another unique assignment.
0: Well, I, I, uh, I left Panama just before Just Cause.
1: Oh, is that right? Yes. Okay.
0: I, and by the way, one of my, one of my uh, uh, acquaintances, one of my jump. Personnel or jump trainees. It was Manuel Noriega. Uh, he no. Had, he had yes. I have pictures of, of that to prove that. But Manuel would was a, a skydiver, and he loaned us his aircraft for weekend practice jumps, along with the <laughs> Panamanian jump team. Really? Yes. <laughs> uh, but I'd also had made friends with some famous skydivers in Korea, and we had a Commander's Cup jump. In in Korea, I got to meet uh, a lot of uh, Korean uh, 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 high-ranking officers and their special warfare folks, and of course, SFDK Special Forces Detachment Korea t- took me under their wing, and and allowed me to jump with them as a reservist. So. Uh, <laughs> A retired reserve. Anyway, yes, indeed. Uh, uh, I, I hope that wouldn't compromise any of the people in that time frame. But I was assigned as the garrison uh, sergeant major, as a command sergeant major of uh, Camp Page, Korea. And they had a a, a fine compound there. Uh, then later on, after I retired, I became a garrison commander of Camp Halea in Pusan, Korea. So, wow. but those are those are two long of stories, and and uh, <laughs> uh, it just you know, some of the guys in Alabama said, it, "Hey, Spider, you Forrest Gump. And I, I said, anyway. Uh, uh, I said, I can back it up. <laughs> okay, indeed, indeed. So, uh, but. I, I'm about worn out. Let's wind this thing up, till. Well, we're
1: not, Well, we will uh, in a few minutes here. But you know, I think that uh, after your time in the army was also a, a period where your service to our country and then to veterans, where you went on to get hired get educated, you became a doctor, Parks, and then you worked with the VA for 15 years working with veterans.
0: Well, I didn't work with the VA, I worked for the Department of Army as a Behavioral Scientist, a substance abuse professional, uh, testing, training, uh, uh, education, and therapy. But that, that took a long time. But, but remember this, I came back in the Army, I was on my way to be a public health professional. I had served in every department of the Dallas City and County. This
1: is before you
0: before before active duty. Yes, before before I came back on '67 to go get my uh, my the toughest course I ever took was the Special Forces O and I. But I was going to school at night. the The the, uh, department was educating me and grooming me to be a public health officer, officer. I went, worked with meat milk food investigation, animal control right. vector control VD investigation really, <laughs> really. yes really uh, 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 and, and it was a, a you know it was it was an interesting occupation indeed I, I had planned to go do a year in Vietnam and come back to the health department. But something happened. The bonding, the fellowship, fellowship and knowing that I get to travel, I get to go to language school, I get all this. I'm not going back to Dallas, Texas. And here's another thing: I was born at the hospital that John F. Kennedy died at. Parkland. Parkland Hospital. I was downtown in City Hall when he got shot. Really? Yes. And one of the officers that got killed was a high school friend of mine. And in nineteen eighty, eighty one, 81, uh, his son was in my company in the 82nd Airborne when I was the first sergeant in the 82nd. And wow. he was killed by his wife. So, oh wow, this... <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs>
1: The story could go on. So the eighty second was part of your career. Yes, yeah, so, so you ultimately became of, a, yes. Yeah, yeah, you became a command sergeant major. And how many different posts did you actually serve as a command sergeant major?
0: actually uh, Panama and Korea, uh, Camp Page, yeah. and the third of the seventh in Panama. That's the only two.
1: Only two. Yeah. Only two. Yeah. Well, that's out, again, it's outstanding. And uh, (laughs) the modesty factor here. And then uh, continuing on the last 15 years through your American Legion post in Huntsville. Again, you're on a special detail there where you continue to go to honor our veterans when they pass away. In fact, you had a funeral yesterday, did you not? Or two days ago.
0: Day before yesterday, yes. yes, sir. In in the thirteen years, we've done over twelve hundred funerals for veterans. I serve as the uh, deputy commander of the Post Two uh, Thirty Seven American Legion Honor Guard.
1: Indeed, and, um, and
0: and I'm also on the POWMIA team for the Joint Special Operations. Yes. hey, I got too many stories.
1: Well, you, that's we're we're not complaining about that, and then. Uh, the, the other side of the spider coin that we didn't talk about at all too was you've played a little sports in your day. So even when you're in high school, in ninth grade, because back in your school, as a way they were transitioning to a new high school, you as a ninth grader wound up in high school and you were on the football team and you went on to have a career in athletics. That's where we met playing softball. But still, you've played football, baseball, and many years playing fast pitch long after most fast pitchers have retired.
0: i played baseball in Korea.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I played on a minor league baseball team in Korea up, up until my late 60s. Wow. So, well, <laughs> mid-60s. Uh, played on semi-pro football team in in uh, Pittsburgh, Limmister, their first year.
1: Oh, is that right? Yep. We were at tenth group at uh, Fort Devens.
0: Yes, that's right. Indeed, they uh they played teams like the Long Island Bulls, the, uh, uh, played park league teams in in Boston and the prison team. I remember that out in out in uh, Concord. So, yeah, that it's it's been a wonderful life till
1: it has, and. Uh, you're part of a very unique niche in history. During the eight-year secret war, you served in that war for your year, put your time in with many amazing stories. And there are people that are alive today thanks to your service, you and Pat Watkins, when you are flying as uh, Covey Riders. And uh, I know that uh, you're inclined to wrap it up here, but as we do so, as you reflect back on those years, you've also had a personal effort. I don't know how much detail we can go into, but for example the hat you're wearing today is unique because that hat has traveled with you, it's a special operations association hat that has traveled with you when you went to Laos, when you returned to Vietnam and an effort to try to help any way at all to locate our team members team members. And at least the remains and uh you traveled at least back there once with Tony Harrell. Yes, and uh, if you could maybe just talk a little bit about that, because that gives a reflection of your commitment and devotion to our teammates that we lost in 1968.
0: Well, of course, uh, the haunting experience and the uh, the personal uh, passion that I have for. Wanting to find the guy that replaced me when I should have been on that mission, and Glenn Lane—what a great base he gave me as a, to be a one-zero. Uh, that's uh, you know that's that's a, a passion that I I can't deny, and I have been able to travel uh, many times uh, due to. Uh, Due to uh, uh, due to my health and uh, due to having enough made enough money and having enough funds donated to to allow me to travel and I have a have a couple of businesses one in one in the Philippines and and one in Korea and uh, I've had help from many different people over there. I have uh, decided that. That I want to dedicate my life to humanitarian efforts, and instead of trying to bomb and kill people, uh, and, but I, you know, I can go into that, as you know, philosophically, but uh, that would take probably the rest of the day till, and, and, <laughs> and uh, you know, we need to wrap it up.
1: We do, and uh, but also from a first-hand basis, you and I were together in the Shaw Valley. And you have since returned here, where now there's a hotel.
0: Yes, <laughs> yeah,
1: that <laughs> used to be a Greenbury A camp. They yeah, now have an, a hotel.
0: Yeah, the Louis Airfield and and uh, uh, Tabot Airfield. I've crash landed on on uh, Louis, and you can see that from the weekend market <laughs> where the hotel is in the Ash Owl rally Really, and they've got paved parts of the. Of, of, of the Ho Hote, Chi Minh Trail. No.
1: Yes. Now, you said you crash-landed there in an O2?
0: Yes. The front engine was shot out. <laughs> Just another day in, in another the, in the day sequel in, war. Na- another day in, in, you know, another day in now man. <laughs> Indeed.
1: And then also, uh, as we close out, you have uh, dabbled with music. A little and, bit. And you've put together a couple songs that uh, although we're not, we may not have the link today, but we'll post it where people can go to songs that you've composed, um, and that music you've tied it into SOG and the couple to recon. And who is the story about you gaining some of your early inspiration for music came in 1968, and from two unique men. Could you just, before we wrap up, could you share a little bit of that? And then how we, if people are interested in spider songs, where well, we can lead them to at some point.
0: You were in that room with me when we were playing the guitars. You remember the Chaplin played guitar. I remember. Grady Spry, famous airborne <laughs> Chaplin, used to drink a six-pack of beer and, and play that. country western. Of course, uh, I was interested in country western and rock. But there well two. see don't
1: forget back then the headsets were only one year yeah. <laughs> so in one year I had the vanilla fudge and the cream and the doors in other year I'm listening to you guys do country country western so I had a very dichotomous well, we, musical experience you know, thanks I to you
0: more, more country <laughs> uh, rather more rock and roll indeed uh, uh, these two gentlemen who are younger than me younger than you I believe uh, stand uh Seating and Richard, Richard Fitz, Fitz. Who took that, money
1: from me in a poker game, by the way.
0: Oh, okay. Well, yeah. Well, his son became a rock star.
1: Richard Fitz Jr.
0: Yeah, and I played with him also. Is that right? At, at SOAR, you saw me sitting over there. That was a long time ago. Yeah, I'm not anyway, good in this long-term memory. Richard I, I Fitz <laughs> could play the guitar and sing. Yes. Yeah. Stand seating, likewise. And we played... Rock songs and we changed the words to them because well you were in the Nam man we're in Vietnam yeah but the high heel sneakers you know
1: so give us a little bit of a hint uh, of that no, so I, from high heel sneakers instead of putting on your high heel sneakers you put on a
0: put on your flak jacket brother because yeah. <laughs> we're going down the trail or indeed. we're going out tonight <laughs> put on your steel pot brothers because we're going out to fight and we put that to the tune of Put on your high heel sneakers. Indeed. And the other song, I kind of put in one of a of a a progression of chords that I used for the Black Rifle Coffee song.
1: That's right. I forgot about but that.
0: But I I had that that progression for. Don't go down that trail. It's a highway to hell, and you know <laughs> that's part of our SOP. <laughs> Don't go down any trail. That's right. Don't cut down no grass. It might show where we passed, you know, (laughs) but stuff like that. That's sort of, you know, I've had a penchant for that. I'm not any good. I got a scratchy uh, voice and an out-of-tune guitar.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But maybe we'll have to connect you with the, uh, the folks that put together the SOG video game. (laughs) Sog <laughs> Prairie Fire video game because they're always looking for music.
0: Well, you know, I, I think your music might I, I, be a good I, fit there. I, I hadn't I'm thought fun- about that. My my musician partner and the brains of the outfit, Randy Grave, was an army musician. He's been on the he's on the honor guard for Post two two nine. We have combined because we don't have enough old people to do funerals.
1: Oh, is that right? Yeah. Wow. Well. And so what we'll do is um, I'll play you
0: a couple of songs when we get through here.
1: <laughs> very good. And then what we'll do is um, uh, we'll uh, get that music and get the word out. And we'll talk to people from Savage Games that put together the SOG Prairie Fire video game that's now out on the market based off and it. it pays homage to to SOG and the men that were in it. And we will go forward with that from there. This
0: should be a tribute to the memory of, of Stan Seating and Richard Fitz. And, the, and we, we're not, Randy and I are not doing this for money. We're doing it for historical preservation.
1: Indeed. And uh, uh, we have to say that Richard Fitz was one of seven Green Berets who were killed November 30th 1968 they were on a, an elder son mission which was a mission
0: Arthur Bader
1: Art Bader was there from New Jersey uh, uh, he's the man I remember the most I remember Fitz because he took money from me in a poker game yeah. <laughs> but uh, but Art Bader I remember him because of his New Jersey link now he and, was in
0: 67 and, and, and with us at Fort Bragg also is that right see I'd forgotten
1: yep. that but yep. On I that got him mission, out of jail. <laughs> I'd forgotten that too. So what we have? So on that mission, though, November thirtieth, Richard Fitz went down with the Kingbee, and their remains weren't recovered until like twenty plus years later. But they are now resting Let's at our talk
0: about Richard's Jr. or Richard's son. Uh, he has a video. And he has a memorial to that It's called 23 Years and a Folded Flag. Right. Something like that. And we may see him this October.
1: We hope so at the Special Operations Association Reunion in Vegas. And uh, before we have a final, any final closing thoughts from you, sir? Thank you. And with that, we want to thank all the veterans out there today. Men, men, like Robert J. Spider Parks, who fought for the ideals of our country, truly an American hero. To those of you out there on the front lines now, we thank you for fighting for all that we care for and for our values today. And this recording is September the 2nd, and it's been a more difficult time in our country's history with uh, Afghanistan and the families that are caught up in all of this our service members, we pay special special tribute to them, as well as all of our service members, police, law enforcement, border patrol, secret service. And we want to thanks to all who live, and for those who did not return, we have a special salute for them, and uh, for those that didn't come home. And today we close out, again we thank Spider Park's Thank you for your service to our country, sir, and to all our people out there today. God bless America. Amen. And now for one of my favorite uh, duties with our top secret agent, our technician, Tom, who we can't reveal his identity because obvious reasons. He's just too busy these days. But most importantly, we're here now to talk about Sodcast number 12 with one of my all-time brothers uh, friend, man, mentor, uh, etc. Robert J. Spider Parks. So, what was your impression, sir, for the first time to meet the live and live
2: our living legend? It was amazing. Um, as usual, meeting any of the any of the guys from Sog for me, but uh, Spider especially because I've read so many so many books and everywhere in there in every book I think I've read, yeah, is Spider Parks, and it was like. <laughs> Meeting a legend, you know, it's like, I've met him. Here's the legend, you know, and <laughs> it, 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 it's great. It's, it's it's heroes like him uh, and yourself and the others that were with you that, you know, is a reason that people do what they do. You know, it's it, inspirational that he continues, uh, you know, all of the all the stuff that he's doing.
1: Yeah. I mean, like he served in the army for 30 years <laughs> He doesn't even really talk, want to
2: talk about no. it.
1: And yeah, we barely scratched the surface, but I figure it's better to scratch the surface than, than not to get on the surface at all.
2: Yeah, you know, it, and I know it's got to be hard, even still to this day, for him to talk about um, with George. And it oh, yeah. is interesting to get the confirmation. So yeah. If you haven't listened to SOGCAST <laughs> Number 01, one. yeah, if you haven't listened to that one, listen to that one, and then listen to this one, and you'll see that they tie together. Uh, so it's uh yeah it's definitely I know that's got to be difficult losing you know the team that you were actually on oh, and yeah. not not even gone from yet but on and uh, and they went out and then you never saw him again so I think it's you know that's a hard part it's is discussing that so it was good that he he gave some insight into it and his experiences with it obviously we heard from the troll Mister George Sternberg. Uh, and what his actions were like on the ground. So it's it's interesting to, to see that.
1: Well, yeah, and how many people – I think we can count them on about one hand. How many people actually ran recon with a team, lost a team, or like with Jim Short and Jones, Yeah, who we had saw cast number two. two or three? Two. Two. And uh, he had that bright light where he <laughs> – uh, wasn't able to get to the uh, to the Air Force F-4. And years later, he went back on his own dime, got yep. chased off. Then he went in with DPAA, helped them. Yeah, And then, of course, DPAA, being the uh, scumbags they are, screwed him, went yep. back one more time, never took him, never had the courtesy to call. Yeah. But Spider is one of the few that's been back. Yeah. More than once, physically on the LZ, where the team disappeared, or where the bright light was shot
2: up and where yeah. is he going back again I, I thought you had said he was trying to I don't know with everything that's happening in the world
1: yeah I think th- there's always the uh, desire to go back and with world events <laughs> the uh, the virus etc yeah. and um, <clears throat> I know he had to cancel at least one trip because of the virus yeah he had everything set up tickets purchased a hotel rooms mm-hmm. rented and just the thought of the ashaw valley with hotels and it was just kind of crazy
2: <laughs> maybe the casino you should go there and gamble <laughs> oh yeah You're, i mean you guys already gambled there yeah. in the ashaw valley like right you gamble <laughs> with your life now you can gamble with some money something yeah. that's not as bad <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah and then um the 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 parts of sog history that he participated in yeah good god and uh well anyways any other v- closing thoughts from you observing one of our sog legends
2: uh no just again it's such an honor uh to be able to sit here and and do nothing <laughs> to to listen to this so uh and uh the only thing i have to say is to all the families that are out there right now indeed um obviously this will post later but you know there's people still fighting for you so always. keep that going you know keep hope that's all you could say and you know there's always people trying to help and and you know, keep that hope that they're going to help you. Indeed.
1: Well, thank you, sir. And thank you for helping today. And uh, with that, one more time, we want to thank Jocko, Echo Charles and his team for productions, for doing our Sawcast. Without them, we couldn't do it. And like you said, um, this particular moment in time, September 2nd, 2021, it's a unique moment in our country's history. And any of the families that hear this You will remain in our prayers. The 13 families that paid the supreme price that became gold star families, you will remain in our thoughts and prayers. You will not be forgotten. As we move forward, we thank those who are putting their lives on the line every day for our country. And uh, last but not least, um, with September, the third Friday of September is the National POW MIA Recognition Day where from the Vietnam War, we've had that recognition day that's been a part of our history, often not given much attention, but the League of POW MIA families always does so. And if you're ever looking for donations to help, they still are there. They work with our government, they pressure the government, they work with the communists in an effort to help to return, locate, find, and return to our country the 1,583 people, service members that are missing in action from the Vietnam War, which includes Vietnam, Laos, Cambodia, North Vietnam, Thailand, and China, there's a few there. And with that thought, we want to salute those who did not come home, and hope we continue to bring more remains back. Thank you to Jocko and his team,